Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another Nacho Tuesday. And today, I'm here with the uh, CEO and the founder of Yarnit, and we're going to be we're going to be talking about uh, generational AI today. Uh, so, without further ado, I'd love to hear uh, more about your company. If you could introduce yourself and uh, your company to the audience today. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Andy. And you know, uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, quickly about myself. Uh, you know, I've been. Uh, in the industry for the last 15 years, started my career as a consultant, then joined startup, happened to fall in love with AI and sales, which is my primary domain, sales and marketing. And uh, eventually, you know, all, all the technology love that we had around AI and what we had built in our previous startup sort of, you know, got together uh, to address a problem statement that we actually grappled with, you know, marketing and largely marketing at scale, right? Because a lot many times we build fantastic products, but we do not take the story forward. We do not take it to the masses that people understand what we are building, why we are building a product and what problem actually it solves for them. You know, those are the questions that we kind of didn't address in our previous gig, uh, yeah. if, you, if you call it, right? And of course, technology was certainly in our wheelhouse uh, that we knew how to use AI, how to use generative AI, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but we wanted to specifically uh, focus on challenge of content, how we sort of help uh, marketers and content creators create amazing stories, you know, personalized stories which speaks to their brand, speaks to their audience and do it at scale. You know, that's, that's primarily the genesis of Yarnet and what exactly we are uh, uh, up for. Great. Yeah. And it's, a, it's great to see that you've simplified and used it in a way that's, uh, you know, important for everybody. Everybody needs more content marketing, right? <laughs> I mean, look at what we're yeah, doing, yeah. but uh, having tools like yours, <laughs> application to it <laughs> using AI, it's, uh, you know, really helpful for a lot of businesses out there to save time while still, right. still keeping up with other businesses in terms of uh, the ability to make content and the quality of the content they're able to put out. Uh, so tell us Absolutely. how you get how did you get started with your career? Like, how did you get into technology and eventually artificial intelligence to where you started Yarnet? <laughs> That's a fascinating story. Uh, fascinating for my own good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at times I believe, how did I reach here? Because I started my career as a pharmacologist, had nothing to do with, uh, you know, technology or AI. Uh, <laughs> of course, had, had a little bit of statistics as background, but then joined consulting, uh, was part of Genpack Consulting for a long time. Uh, had my own portfolio, was consulted in different pharma, CPG companies, largely around analytics uh, technology at that point. And then, you know, I moved into a startup uh, called as Limbic. Uh, we, we had a very successful run there. And that made my previous startup, joined them as a founding team member. And that's exactly where I kind of fell in love with AI because we're very proud to say that probably we, had, we were the first one to build an enterprise-grade AI-based analytics product out of India. Way back, I'm talking almost six to, you know, almost eight years back from now. And that's yes. exactly where we, we started getting familiar with technologies. Of course, a lot of people woke up to generative AI literally <laughs> last year. But, uh, you know, we have been using language models and then which eventually became large language models right from, you know, 2016, 2017 onwards. And... Uh, you know, that's, that's the familiarity of it. And like I said, you know, sales and marketing has been uh, my wheelhouse, if you can call it, right? And um, with the way we wanted to sort of move from there, our understanding of technology, 
uh, and wanted to sort of apply into into marketing, something that uh, we kind of struggled in our previous company. Uh, not when I say struggle, the struggle was not creating content or uh, talking about us or about our product, but eventually doing at scale. You know, how do we sort of have those means, those resources for us to sort of take that story forward to large scale, right? And that's how we sort of, uh, you know, a struggle and a capability kind of came together uh, to form Yarnet, yeah. right? So, you know, from, from my own personal journey, if you think of it, you know, every step added to, you know, where I am right now, uh, started with analytics, got into AI, got into startups, did, did the whole nine yards of startup right from building the product to finding an exit with the startup. And then eventually, that's how you know Yarnet happened. You know, post our exit, uh, uh, our acquisition by another company, um, we of course ensured that uh, the product is doing well and we are, and it has found the right scale before, you know, uh, it, I was ready to take the next plunge. Yep, yeah, it sounds like uh, all all that experience over the years, you really you know really understood the problem and were really close to it. Um, you know, a lot of the yeah. best products and entrepreneurs I've met now really, you know, understand the problem. They've, you know, experienced it themselves. They're not just going out, jumping on the AI bandwagon. <laughs> I mean, you've been in the space for a while and you've seen the uh, right. application of the problem in the real world in terms of being able to scale content marketing and whatnot. Um, so I guess, you know, generative AI, like we mentioned, is a big buzzword. You know, a lot of people are jumping into it. They yeah. woke up to it last year and they said, wow. I want to do an AI startup. Uh, where where do you see the opportunity standing today, really, um, and where do you see it going over the next few years? Yeah, it, you know, I, I would like to believe it's more than a buzzword right now because a lot of that has gotten into the practice, right? A lot of customers are using it. Uh, you know, I personally believe that it's one of those watershed moments in technology, right? Uh, and if you are in any function within your company be it marketing, be it sales, be it HR, be it, uh, you know, coding and development and technology. I think generative, generative AI has been that one technology which has probably touched every such function, right? And that that's gives that whole mass appeal to it, right? And practical usability of it to take it into our business processes, make things easier and better for our customers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely I see it's not a buzzword anymore. It's certainly something in practice. A lot of companies are making very successful products using these technologies and certainly, you know, solving, solving customer problems faster and better. Yeah. Uh, yeah when it comes to, you know, what would, yeah, what would happen in the next five years? It's too difficult. Uh, you know, I don't want to be hopefully good fortune stuff. Teller. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but there, there are massive stuff that's happening in the space of generative AI. If you look at, you know, audio visual as a content, is something that we'll see a lot. And of course, the large language models and the way AI generative AI has evolved so far, it has taken massive uh, steps when it comes to understanding text, generating text, uh, generating human, you know, understanding the context of subjects. But I think if you see slowly things are moving towards hardware, slowly things are moving towards different media, right? Whether it is audio, whether it is visual. Um, yeah, so I'm very interested if you ask me, Andy, to understand how two things, right? When the software power of generative AI and all that we are, you know, constantly working with will connect with the hardware of it. 
right? That and that's where you will see a lot of interactive storytelling coming into place, right? And then how we can sort of work with people, you know, give them more immersive experience mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to to the power of these technologies. Yeah, that's a great point that he brought it up because uh, I was talking with an entrepreneur today and, you know, I can't share his idea, <laughs> uh, but he, he had an idea that was hardware and AI re related. So that's really the next step is putting the brains inside of, you know, inanimate objects and having them do more. Uh, so I think there, right. your point, I totally agree. There's a lot more to be done in that area. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. So I guess uh, what considerations, you know, sticking to the realm of marketing, I guess, uh, you know, not getting into right. Terminator and some robots, I guess. <laughs> um, what, <laughs> what considerations uh, considerations should a company make when integrating AI into their marketing strategy? Yeah, that that's a very interesting question to ask me because because if you if you look at generative AI, and I, I would be, I will try to be not very technical about it. You know, it has to be when you make the choice of taking a tool or a product uh, into your marketing strategy or your marketing operations, I think we literally have to have the same lenses or criteria as you would take a new person uh, in your team, you know, mm -hmm. which means uh, they should understand the brand. They should understand the legacy of the brand, right? Uh, two, how conscious these technologies are because your consumer choices are evolving every day. You know, their, their buying behavior are changing every day. And these models cannot be static, right? It cannot be stagnant. And therefore, are they aware or at least they can communicate with whatever is happening real time at that particular moment, right? So one, of course, it has to value legacy. It has to understand your data, uh, your, your customers. Two, it should be conscious, right? And, and third, you know, as simple as the whole you know security part right and the security part has been has been a concern for a lot many companies as in how secure these models are uh, mm -hmm. you know how secure uh, you know whether it is getting whether it has been trained on the right data or not is it adding biases to uh, to whatever statement we are making whatever content we are generating of it and mm -hmm. and to that extent i think uh, you know we have to be very very sure that you know, whatever we are using these technologies for, there has to be a human in the loop so that, you know, we are, those choices that we are making, those production power that we are generating of these technologies are yeah. also in the right hands. Yeah, and it, it's very important, especially for staying on brand. I mean, you know, right. ChatGPT is good at coming up with a, a body of content, but, you know, sometimes it comes up with right. some pretty funny things. So you got to make sure, you know, you go through, even if you are using it, maybe you can do 80% of the lifting, uh, you need to go through, you right. need to fine tune that copy. You need to make sure the voice is on brand as much as possible. And, you know, another right. issue that keeps coming up is copywriting because this thing's going out and looking yep. over the internet to like pull on the data and, you know, formulate it what it thinks, you know, it should write. Right. And, you know, yep. it has no idea about copywriting, at least today in its current form. No, absolutely. And the last consideration that we often, um, we have seen our customers make is that, how much of these systems are active versus passive? Do they always need to be nudged, right, to get a recommendation, to get a uh, to get a generation out of them? Versus, how much of these systems are nudging us, right, right, as in uh, giving us the right nudge at the right decision points? Whether, like you said, you know, uh, copywriting can be a vanilla copywriting, 
but can you help me in that process to make me sharper, to make my content sharper, right? Uh, also, even in terms of decisions that we take in our in our funnel, right? How do we ensure these technologies are not only passive but also active and giving us the right nudge mm-hmm. at the right time? That's a great point. Like uh, Grammarly, as an as an example, I mean, I'm not sure how uh, you yeah. know they say it's AI, but I'm not sure like how much how AI it is. But it is a very valuable tool, and I've seen it to be you know fairly accurate. Um, once again, it does yeah. have a couple of funny recommendations, but um, that's a, an example of an automated active tool that's there to, you know, help you in your writing if you need it. Um, although you don't want right. to don't want to rely on it 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah, of course. Like I said, you know, there is always the human ingenuity which has to take precedence. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what you're trying to do with tools like these is basically help you get things faster, you know, work through massive data that we may not have the luxury of time uh, to yeah. go through that massive heaps of data to understand what's my, what is that my customer is looking for right now. You know, and that's where you would see this technology is uh, coming up, helping us uh, doing our things better. And especially trend analysis too, right? I mean, you know, you can oh, pour yes, through the data and it could just find it for you and you can make the decision based on what you're finding from the data that it helps it helps right. uh, process and put together for you at an amazing rate. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great. I guess what other uh, what other ways can businesses use AI in their marketing today? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm going to try I'll try to sort of keep that question a little more uh, practical because or the answer more practical because. I'm going to sort of give you experiences that we see as a company for our, from our different customers, right? One, the first thing has to be content operations or content marketing, mm-hmm. right? Because that is exactly where we have seen our customers succeed and mm-hmm. create personalized content, high quality content at scale, right? Mm-hmm. And it has been a winner, whether you're writing the next SEO rich blog, whether you're responding or trying to create your next email campaign, how do you ensure you can execute your campaigns faster, right? And better at the same time. Two, I think one of the biggest wish of every marketer has been always around moment marketing, right? Uh, How do you capture the moment real time? How do you keep the lights on with a certain narrative that you hold as a brand, right? Now, moment marketing as such, if you see, has taken, you know, has become much more real uh, with with tools and technologies like generative AI, because mm-hmm. it has given you that capability, like you said, to spot a trend, to identify a trend, respond to that moment or that trend in real time, right? So you don't have to wait for a day or a week to respond to a trend. You can literally do that in 30 seconds, right? Mm-hmm. I think the Third and the fourth, where we see one, of course, is happening a lot in the digital marketing side, especially in the performance marketing side, right? As in, we've seen uh, customers grapple with content that is needed to execute different performance marketing campaigns and also to sort of optimize these campaigns. Mm-hmm. You know, the power of this technology, whether it is to analyze the data, to find out the information, to generate content, is only making life simpler for them, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and and if you look at the last one, has been a lot about how do you give that experience, uh, or or more like conversational experience, 
uh, buying experience for your customer, right? And the conversational yeah. commerce has been there for a long time. But if you see a lot many, uh, more, you know, brands have been able to do much more meaningful conversations yeah. with their customer before they actually make a buy, right? Yeah. How do you understand their needs better and therefore respond to their need? It's not always, you may not have the product, but can, can you at least respond to their needs with empathy? Right. So conversational commerce is certainly another big trend that is seeing a massive rise with generative AI. So yeah. four things, like like I said, you know, content, content marketing, moment marketing, your performance marketing, and the fourth one would be your uh, conversational commerce. Wow, that's a and, great feedback right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go ahead. Yeah, and this, this, is, this is all real because we, we are seeing our customers do and succeed on all of them every day. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I like how you laid that out. Um, a lot of people haven't talked about the conversational e-commerce, as you say, um, you know, and the use of chatbots even, right? Like at the top of the funnel from a customer service angle, um, you could have right. these chatbots are very good these days to answer like very, you know, simple questions to kind of get you to where you need to go, at least as a routing tool at the at a minimum. So you're not you know, you're not trying to research through the FAQs all by yourself. And yeah, worst case yeah, scenario, you can always get in touch with an agent, right? And in an on-demand right. world, people really appreciate that uh, that level of service. Yeah, and it's also about having that empathy. It, at times when you interact with bots or at least what used to happen a year earlier or, you know, or year two, you, you could literally find out that you are interacting with a robot because mm -hmm. some of those questions were, you know, yes or no. But at now, if you see with the information that brands have on their product or on, on the FAQs, a lot of that can be used to you know respond to the user queries much more efficiently. Yeah. I guess, do you, uh, uh, based on your your history getting Yarnit out there, do you have any recommendations for startups around growth hacks? Maybe they can use to get their company out there and uh, start to build their brand profile. Yeah, uh, you know, growth hacks, of course, uh, you know, one, uh, you know, I, I'm a firm believer on the fact that we certainly have to build the product with customers because yeah. a lot of, uh, a lot many times we, we are trying to catch the next best model that we can get, the best algorithm, the best things that we can all create. But, you know, if you are trying to sort of build a successful product, it has to speak to the need of your customer. Right, yep. and uh, therefore, my my you know personal belief has always been around how do we solve for that need or the job that the customer is trying to solve for, right? Yep. And to I, I think was your question more specific to sales and marketing or it's yeah, but no, but I, I like where you're, I like where you're going with this one actually because that's uh, the, the biggest problem in sales and marketing is you know that product market fit, right? Do you, does your product right. solve a problem, a massive problem for people in a simple way? Uh, that doesn't require right. you know, very much effort or time or money from them, um, or at least the, the the time and money is worth investing in using your product. <laughs> you know, and you know, as a matter of fact, in our company within Yarnit, we are a big big fan of jobs to be done as a framework, right? Which basically says, hey, the job is not changing. I have to go from point A to point B. The means mm -hmm. of going could be a bus, could be a cycle, could be could be a train, could be a plane. And you can use multiple tools while you are making going from point A to point B, right? Yeah. And and that's that has been the mantra for us, saying, how do we take 
the journey for our customer and try to make it smarter, easier for them to to get their jobs done. Yep. Yeah, that's a great point. Sometimes you don't need to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> um, everybody's yeah. trying to get what they need to get done. And if you can do it in a way that's more efficient or provide a better experience right. overall, you're going to win that customer You know, every day. Yeah. And on the sales and marketing side, uh, since you asked for it, I think, you know, Yarnit as, as a brand and as a company, I think we are a firm believer in doing very strategic partnerships, uh, you know, so that, of course, you would have your own strategies of selling your product, marketing your product globally, locally, within within the countries that you serve for serve to. Uh, but you know, partnership has been one of the key functions for us, or the key strategies. And of course, uh, natural nature is is a part of that execution of the strategy itself, <laughs> which you know basically it gives us uh, a voice, gives you voice, uh, gives you uh, access to a much larger market, right? At times, it's basically how do you empower and how do you sort of synergize uh, with a partner to sort of unlock those uh, markets that they might be very good at, right? Yeah. And you may not have an easy access to that, right? So, you know, partnership, uh, you know, whether it is our affiliate partners, resellers, marketplaces, you know, partnership has been the core to what we do at Yadid. Yeah, I totally agree. And especially from um, a B2B standpoint as well. Um, all, right. Every company yep. has these overlaps with other companies and there's these creative right. ways that you should be working together to kind of help, you know, raise the tide for all boats, as we say it over here. Um, and and yep. developing yep. these win partner-led growth strategies, you know, is effective right. and helpful for both companies. I mean, you know, we're helping, you know, introduce you to our audience and vice versa, you know, by doing these, this type of content here. And heck, we're having a fun conversation here. So it's a win-win-win <laughs> if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Cool. I'm like, is this even work? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, so I guess what what uh, challenges, I guess, did he face as a company in the early days and how did he overcome them? Yeah, I, I think one of the, I, I, I think I briefly touched upon that problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, where at times when you're building products, building uh, very technology forward products, you often get caught into the product. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you fall in love with what you're building. Uh, you fall in love with the technology and what's the new exciting AI model that you've you know, built, uh, losing the focus on what exactly the customer is looking for, yeah. uh, right? And then what's their need? What is, uh, how, can they, how can your product make their life easier, job easier, right? Yeah. And uh, with the Arnit, I think that is something that we have, very consciously tried not to do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not try to sort of catch into every fancy uh, new advancements of AI mm-hmm. uh, that we see every day. You know, if you if you if you turn to any social media or any other newsletter, you'll probably find an AI technology every day or new advancements. But I think we have to keep ourselves a little rooted uh, to the customer needs. Yep. Yeah, it's important to love your customer more than you love your product or your features, right? I mean, because at oh, the end of the yes. day, you gotta, you're solving somebody's problem. That's the business. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, if you if you can be detached, uh, a, a little detached from your product while you're building it, it's very mm-hmm. difficult. Uh, it's very difficult because you, of course, fall in love with what you're creating. Uh, yeah. But I think uh, very consciously, we have to sort of keep ourselves detached and less emotional about it, uh, you know, what we are building and rather focus 
on who we are solving it for and what are their problems. Yep, that's a great point. I had a company back on the day with some friends, but uh, we ended up becoming good friends out of this. But we had a, a company called Spot Survey where it was text message based delivery for basically online surveys. <laughs> and, you know, we we're shopping it with customers and, you know, people are, the engineers are really excited about this feature they created to like deliver surveys via SMS. But when you talk to the customers, they didn't, they didn't really care. They already had online surveys and QR codes. So we weren't really innovating upon anything. So, you know, there was no yep. compelling yep. need for them to switch over to us. And, you know, frankly, our analytics and question sets didn't even, weren't even up to par with online surveys. So it was, you know, that mismatch there, you know, falling, falling in love too much with uh, what you've built in the feature and trying to convince everybody else to, to buy into that rather than, you know, listening to the customer and designing your product experience backwards from there. Right, right. You're, you're so right about it. Awesome. Well, uh, uh, great. And I guess what's, uh, let's talk more about Yarnit actually. How does, uh, we'd love, I'd love if you could explain uh, to our audience how Yarnit works um, and, you know, why, right. why people should uh, pick up Yarnit today for 25% off in the Nacho Nacho marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think discount aside, <laughs> discount <laughs> aside and uh, the promotion aside, I, yep. I think we excel at creating personalized content, right? As in, if you look at, content as a space, uh, you know, I can't underscore enough how important is that in today's market, in today's scheme of digital marketing for you to sort of ensure that your customers are hearing from you, uh, your customers are aware of your, you know, uh, product. And, but at the same time, there's a lot of clutter. There's a lot of clutter. There's a lot of content that we come across. And at the same time, you know, what is important, therefore, is that how do we ensure that every piece of content that you're creating is speaking to your audience and their needs? As yeah. simple as that, right? And two, if you look at brands are not built in a day, you know, it's, it's, it's your legacy that you leave. It's yeah. basically what, as a consumer of your brand, what I hear, what I read of your brand. Now, some of that has to be taken in consideration when you're defining your content marketing strategy. To ensure yeah. that you know it's speaking for the brand, it is speaking to the audience, right? And yeah. that's actually the moat of Yarnet, if you if you can think of it. Yeah. The second thing I think, if you see Yarnet as a product, we have always tried to, like I said, focus on the journey. Uh, probably we are the only connected solution that you see where you can literally execute content right from the point where you're thinking out of an idea is in what should be my next content, what should be my next campaign that I want to create to, you know, executing product, producing that particular content, publishing it and measuring that content to understand, did it actually work for you? You know, what could you have done better? And what is that something that we can feed back into our content strategy further? So, you know, two things that I wanted to certainly leave with uh, you uh, and the audience is, you know, we are, we, we are very bullish on, personalized marketing, personalized yeah. content, and to having a connected experience so that instead of building silos, how do we ensure that when we build content, it is actually having a feedback loop for me to make it better every time? Yep. Yeah, don't just uh, produce content for the sake of doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and then how, yeah, exactly. How do you tie it all together uh, so you have a consistent message because... You know, to your yeah. point, I think consistency is very important for branding and 
and uh, you know, building right. that legacy. That's what people continually remember and, and understand right. about your brand. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, um, what's next for Yarnit over the next five years? Any sneak peeks or uh, tips you can give us there? That's not too top, not not too uh, confidential, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think the next five years has you know are going to be certainly interesting. Uh, I think we are at that. Uh, you know, one, if you look at the technology space, it's certainly evolving. Things are changing, and we have taken massive stride when it comes to uh, you know taking this technology and solving for customer and, and their needs, right? I think for us, some of the interesting stuff, I think, would be coming from how we sort of solve for more use cases that our customers are dabbling with today. Uh, they you know, different needs within the marketing space, right? Two, our focus would be a little bit more towards AV content because what does today is solving for your graphics, solving for uh, text, uh, you know, but we still do not do a lot of video marketing. Uh, mm -hmm. You'll see some of that coming on the product very, very soon. And the idea is to sort of now, you know, make it even deeper in, into into uh, the different problem statements that people have in different industries specific to marketing, right? Yeah. And when I say specific to marketing, you know, whether I'm an e-commerce customer or I'm a B2B uh, supply chain player, you know, how do we understand their needs better so that we can verticalize this solution and make it even more uh, nuanced experience for them? Yeah, that's great. Now, looking forward to the uh, growth of your guys' company. And I just had this question pop into mind, but uh, where'd you get the name Yarnit sure. from? Is it from people uh, saying, darn it, I don't have a good content <laughs> marketing strategy. I need Yarnit. <laughs> or where, how do you guys come up with it? <laughs> We actually ran a campaign like that. Darn it, uh, I need Yarnit. Um, nice. <laughs> uh, but no, darn it, I, I need think Yarnit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, the campaign was quite viral, actually. Uh, but if you ask me, I think there is... Uh, so we took the inspiration from Yarns. Yarns also means small short stories or short stories. Mm -hmm. uh, small narratives or short stories rather. And if you look at the process of storytelling, it's almost stitching together things, right? It's it's spinning a narrative. You spin a story, uh, right? So we took the verb and the noun of yarn and yarding to form yeah. yarnet. That's pretty cool. Okay. I, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. And that slogan's, <laughs> that slogan's great too. So I, I, whoever came up with that, keep doing it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. 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 Well, uh, JD, it's been a, it's been great today. A lot of great insights came out of this, you know, and I think this is going to be really helpful to a lot of, you know, a lot of founders, a lot of decision makers out there in the SaaS industry. Uh, so once again, we really appreciate you coming on today and, you know, look forward to uh, growing this partnership and uh, collaborating with you guys, you know, far into the future for us. It's not a one-time thing to bring on new, new partners. We uh, yeah. can always look to work with you guys over the next few years and grow together. So. Absolutely. It has been my pleasure. It has been my pleasure. Thank you so much. You have a good day. Thanks. You too, bud. Bye. All right. Bye. All right. And